I mean, come on, guys. How blessed are we? If that didn't raise your spirit, if that didn't put the Holy Spirit in your heart, we need to talk. You guys are awesome. Justin, thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's so interesting that none of us talk corporately, so to speak, before we do anything. Justin had no that we should. Justin had no idea what I was going to talk about today. And I know that for a fact because, well, I really didn't have much of an idea. How could he have, right? But God always aligns everything. The songs of hope, the message of Christ, that is so awesome. That is so awesome. Thank you, worship team. I want to welcome everybody. Welcome, church. We're so glad you're with us. Whether you're here live, whether you're online, uh, maybe you're just here with us in spirit and won't have a chance to watch yet. But wherever you are, whatever you're doing, isn't it wonderful to be in the presence of God? I know some of you are a little bit surprised to see me up here today, but rest assured, God is working. He's working in this house. He's, he's, <laughs> he's working on this church a lot, which reminds me, um, youth downstairs, youth not Wednesday nights. Remember, we're doing some reorganization as we're trying to figure out God's plan. So no youth Wednesday nights. Um, the toy run is coming up. If you have any questions, please talk to Pete or Mike Thomas. They'll, they'll clue you in. If you know of somebody that would be a, a really good recipient of those toys, please let um, Cindy in the cafe know. Do it. Just email her to office at CFF Church. You guys, you can find that in the bulletin. Give her an email. Give her that information. We need that information so we can put the toys out. And what I forgot last time, anything for springboard, go ahead and stack over here. All the toys for the toy run, back there in the foyer, right? So we know when we trust that God has a plan. God's got a plan with the youth. God's got a plan with this church. He's most definitely working in this church. Amen? Look at the changes that we've seen. Look at how much we've grown. And he's certainly working on me, and I'll bet he's working on you. You guys are awful quiet on that he's working on you thing. <laughs> so let's see what God has us for for us today. Heavenly Father, you are so awesome. We're here now in your presence, Lord, seeking your wisdom, seeking your grace that we can go forward and enhance our relationship with you. Lord, I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth be yours, that it has nothing to do with me. The message you would have, everybody here, comes through me from you. And Lord, I pray that the ears of the listener hear it in the way they need to hear it, not the way their neighbors hear it, and not even the way that I present it, Lord. I pray your message comes through to them so they can grow in their relationship with you, so we can learn how to correctly and rightly serve you the way you would have us serve. We have a desire for that, Lord. We want to please you. We thank you for all that you do. We thank you for all that you're going to do, and we thank you for this message that you're giving us today. Um, I'm kind of excited about it because I get so much from you when I prepare for a message. 
thank you. We love you. We honor you. We worship you. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Quiet brunch. You notice we didn't rope off the outside sections, so you guys get to all spread out. Last week, Pastor Dave brought us into the first week of Advent, right? Which was? Peace. Very good. But I thought I'd start out this morning making sure that we're all tuned in with what Advent is. I'm surprised at how many people have a little misconception. They don't know what Advent is. So Advent, or in Latin, Adventus, means coming. In the church calendar, Advent begins on the Sunday nearest to the 30th, and it's the beginning of the liturgical year, which liturgical, I can't even pronounce it, simply means formal worship or teaching of God's Word. So that's just a, a, a formal kind of way of putting it. Now, you guys know we're not real around, formal around here, right? Um, not, not real traditional around here. But I do think it's important that we honor the celebration of Christ's coming. And what a better opportunity to do it than Advent, as Advent gives us goals and things to focus on that we can better prepare um, so we need to use this time to prepare. That's exactly what Advent is. It's a period of preparation for the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ, or what most call Christmas. Advent is about preparing for the celebration, thank you, dear, of Christ's birth. But it's more than that. It's also preparation for the celebration of Christ's second coming. Since Advent is preparation for the coming, it's not the fact, just the fact that Jesus was born. It is Christ's second coming as well. In John 14, 1, 3, it says, let your hearts not be troubled. You trusted God, now trust me. There are many rooms in my Father's house, and I am going to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would tell you plainly. When everything is ready, I will come and get you. That is awesome. So that you will always be with me wherever I am. That's pretty cool. That is very cool. That's the second coming. That was Jesus talking to the disciples when they were all wigging out because he said he was out of here. They said, no, you can't leave. We need you. What are we going to do without you? It's important that you stay with us. It, it's, it's important that you stay and teach us. And that was Jesus' response. So remember, when he first started talking to them, he was speaking very plainly. He wasn't using parables. He wasn't, nothing was a riddle. He was speaking very plainly, very clearly to them. And he says here, I would tell you plainly. He's speaking to them about his second coming. Here Jesus himself tells us he'll return the second coming. But even before that, we read of Christ's deaths and his second coming. In Isaiah 7:14, it says, "All right then." Now, the little redneck in me wants to say, "Well, all righty then." <laughs> so I can paraphrase that a little bit. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. Wait, well, huh? That ain't never happened before. What are you talking about? The virgin will conceive a child? She will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel, by the way, means God is with us. That's pretty cool. The 
first coming, Christ will be born. The birth of Christ. And in the New Testament, we can read about the second coming in verses such as, there's, a, I found like a, a cabillion of them. Okay, maybe only a chameleon of them, but nonetheless. I chose Revelations 1-7. It reads, Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everybody will see him, even those who pierced him. Ooh. And all nations of the world will mourn for him. Even those who pierced him. So people ask me, actually quite a lot, how are we going to know it's Jesus coming? How do we know when we're in the last days? What if the devil tries to receive us or to deceive us? Well, this tells us right there. Even those who pierced him will know and recognize him. You will know him when he comes. He's going to come in the clouds. You ain't going to miss it. You're not going to have a mistake. Oh, is this just a nasty storm? Oh, no, this is Jesus coming. Oh, maybe it's a Satan trying to deceive me. Uh, no, no, this is Jesus. There will be no mistake when Jesus comes. That is such a powerful verse about the second coming of Christ. I want us to really focus on the second coming of Christ because that's seldom focused on. So now we know Advent is referring to preparing for the coming of Christ, both first and second so when you do your Christmas this year, I really hope that's an awesome celebration. I mean, wow, what a glorious blessing that we have. Jesus was born and then died on a cross and then was resurrected for us. That awesome big celebration. Matter of fact, when we think about it, people all around the world are celebrating Advent as they prepare for Christmas. And many don't even know they're doing that. This is one of the coolest things. They're fixing up their house, decorating with lights and ribbons. They're putting up their tree. They're hanging all the ornaments and bows. All the physical and material things people do to prepare for the celebration of Christmas, the birth of Christ. Right? Now, all of us know many people that do this who aren't Christians themselves. What an awesome opportunity it is when they're doing all this and they're decorating, and you see them, and you tell them, that is awesome. You guys are exercising Advent. You're practicing Advent, and they're going to say, uh because that's what they're going to say. And you tell them, well, Advent is the preparation for the birth of Christ, the celebration of Christmas. But it's also preparation for the second coming. To wit, they'll ask questions about that. What a wonderful conversation starter, huh? You haven't accused them of anything. You haven't degraded them at all. You've simply enlightened them with the message of Jesus. They may not know it, but they're really involving themselves in the season of Advent, preparing for the first coming, birth of Christ, as they prepare for Christmas. So all around the world, every time you see anything, a decoration, people out and about wearing Christmas, I don't care what it is, Think in your heart, all these people are practicing Advent. They're participating in Advent. Now, we as Christians have a clearer understanding of how to prepare for the birth of Christ and the second coming of our Lord. Jesus Christ, think about that. While we may not be... Well, while, bleh, I did this the last time, too. While we may be doing a lot of the same things, decorating and such... 
as Christians, we know it's far more important for us to prepare our hearts and our souls for the celebration of his birth and preparation for his second coming. Advent provides us with directives and focuses that we can work on each week of Advent. Last week was peace. I hope you all spent some time in the Bible reading about peace. That only comes from Jesus Christ. And I hope you found that peace. Amen? This, the second week of Advent, is the week of hope. Hope that is only found in Jesus Christ. Let's look at hope for a little bit. The Oxford Dictionary defines hope as a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. That's pretty cool. I had never, before I researched this, I had never thought of hope as that. I, I never have, but what a wonderful way to describe it. A feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Hope is inherent in our human nature. God built it into us. We all have hope to a certain degree. It's all quiet. I'm used to the mission, and it's never quiet there. Now, we all have hope, right? What are you guys hoping for? Come on. You're hoping that I hurry it up. You're hoping that I don't go too long because you got lunch to go get. You got people to see. You probably got shopping to do, right? And besides, I'm not Pastor Dave. You didn't come to hear me preach. What's up with that? Let's get this thing going. It's essential for us to have hope. Look what happens when people lose hope. I can't imagine that. I know people that have, and I know what happens, and I, I just I can't even imagine that. Hope is vital to our existence. So don't lose hope when I go too long. <laughs> this really, this shouldn't take much more than about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. We ought to be out of here by, say, 1 o'clock. Is that good? <laughs> ah, not a lot of hearty laughs there. <laughs> our hope has to be based on something. If not, it'll most likely turn out about as good as you hoping that I'll get done fast. <laughs> it's got to be based on something. The archaic definition of hope, that means the really old stuff, is an emphatic feeling of trust. So hope involves trust. If you don't have trust in something, how are you going to have hope? That hope will just be gone. You've got to have that hope. So what do you trust so much that you can place your hope in? How about God, our creator, the one who made, well, everything, everything. He made the world. He made the atmosphere. He made the air that we're breathing. He made the lungs for you to breathe the air. This God, our creator, made everything. And he even tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope and a future. For I know the plans I have for you. Well, I'm glad about that. He's God. But he's telling us that he has plans for us. God has plans. He made each and every one of us individually and specifically. Every last fiber of us different. And he did that before he made the earth and before he put you in physical form. He did all that before. He knows you. He knows exactly what he has for you. 
And part of that is plans for you. Plans to prosper, plans to give you hope for a future. Tell you what, what's, what's future is he talking about, by the way? Next week? How about your entire life, which is, where are my old class people? Eternity. God is thinking about your eternity. That's, that's his big focus. He wants everybody with him there. God is plainly telling us hope is in his plans for us. And since God's unable to lie, and therefore good to his word, wouldn't that be a good place to start with his promise? Put your trust in that. Let your hope follow that. And isn't that promise really what we want in the first place? Don't we want to promise a hope? A hope to prosper and to have a future? Again, we're not talking growing to old age. I mean, that's awesome. But a future, eternity. He promises us that eternity. And in Ephesians 1.18, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which he has called you to, the riches of his glories, glorious inheritance in his holy people. Dang. Dang. His glorious inheritance. Do you realize if, if your great uncle Louis dies and you're part of his inheritance, you get the portion of that inheritance that that person set forward, set for you, correct? With God, your portion of that inheritance is 100%. You get every bit that God has. And you do, and you do, and you do. We all get 100% because he's God. He can do that. We all get that 100%. So he, God, gives us hope for his glorious reward uh, that's definitely a good reason for hope for me it's one thing for God to have a plan and even offer us hope that's something that's something he has made perfectly clear to us in these last couple of verses but do we know that hope do we receive it do we feel it do we trust in it most everybody sitting here say, well, yeah, of course I do, yeah. I talk to so many people, sadly, that say, I trust, I have hope, I have hope that my children will receive and accept Christ and go to heaven. That's my hope. But I don't think it'll ever happen, not the way they're going. Wait a minute. What kind of, what kind of a trust is that? And what kind of hope is that? I have hope, but I don't think it'll come true. Well, if you have hope and you don't think it'll come true, you don't have trust, right? God's got a plan. It's kind of, don't take this wrong, please listen to what I say as I go through. It's not our job to be responsible in that way for our kids inheriting the kingdom. God's got that. At some point, we've got to turn it over and trust in God. And if we do that, that's where our hope comes. God's got it. I don't have to worry about it anymore. God's got it. That's that trust. That's that hope. And God will get it. God's got this. He's figured it out. Well, way more than us. Give it up. 
trust. That's where the hope comes from. Romans 15, 13. We're going to hit this one a number of times. May the God of hope, whoa, wow. May the God of hope, God is the God of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Y'all, I don't want to say I'm greedy, but I want all that God has. I want everything that God has for me. That's what I'm working for. I want it all. I want it overflowing. I want it to be such an overflowing mess in my life that people look at me and say, what's up with you? Man, I never see you mad. I never see you upset. I don't see you angry. I don't see you uptight. That's cool because I have hope. And that hope is overflowing because I know he'll get it. My wife used to get mad at me. She's kind of got on board now. She used to get mad at me because I would sit in my chair and kick back and the bills are due and this, this car's not running and this is happening and that's happening and the other thing's happening. And I'm just sitting back. And she says, what's up? We need to get on this. I say, yeah, God's got it. We got the bills. God's got them. He'll take care of us. I had hope. I had no idea how he was going to do it, but I knew he was. I had hope. I had trust in God. That's what gave me the hope. I want that in overflowing abundance. Do you guys? Oh, man, I should have heard everybody. Yeah! I want that hope. What a powerful message of hope we're given in this season of Advent. The hope from God given to us by God. If only we could get this message out of hope to the entire world this Christmas season. This Christmas season is so full of hustle and bustle, trying to buy everybody presents, <clears throat> trying to get all these last-minute deals, worrying about what on earth we're going to get Aunt Betsy for Christmas because she's coming to stay with us through Christmas. Everybody's got an Aunt Betsy. And what do you buy her? Knitting needles? We, <laughs> we really do. We worry about these things. <clears throat> What do we come up with for people for Christmas? That adds a lot of stress. And the world seems to be so mixed up right now with all the worry and stress and separation caused by COVID, inflation, politics, and all the tragedies going on in our world right now. The world needs hope. Now, more than ever, as we're faced with new challenges that no one's ever been faced with before in our everyday lives, we can only take so much can you guys go, I mean, how much, can, how much are we expected to deal with? We're dealing with more now than anybody in our history ever did. We've got more coming at us now, more than anybody ever did. All the challenges in our everyday lives, <clears throat> we can only take so much. We see this so much in our daily lives. Homelessness seems to be at an all-time high. Inflation is through the roof. Have you guys bought fuel lately? Anybody want to buy a really cool big F-350? <laughs> I'm just saying, I can't afford to feed that thing. Price fuel is ridiculous. Tension is at an all-time high. What affects, and, and it affects people mentally, and it affects their attitude. Don't believe me? Ask a Karen. <laughs> I mean, come on. I want to find the Karen that blew up at the McDonald's and tore up the whole store. 
I mean, that gal lost her mind. And I wanted, first I want to pray for her, and then I want to ask her, do you know Jesus Christ? I mean, do you have a relationship? Do you have hope in him? Because if she did, she wouldn't have done that. That would have been an awesome time to, to minister to somebody. And what happens when we turn on the TV or our computer? We are being sold something, right? Think about that. We're faced with ads selling to something that we didn't even know we needed to make our lives better or to fit in with the cool kids. We're being sold lies and fear. Come on, we can't even get, we can't even go to our family for, for Christmas. Oh no, we got to be separated. <clears throat> with all the things going on in the world today, it's hard to even know what to believe or how to respond, much less how to deal with it all without offending somebody. You can't say anything. I love roses. Oh yeah, you're going to cut them right off the vine, destroy them. And you can't say anything anymore. People take offense with so much. <clears throat> Just how much are we supposed to be able to take before we blow a gasket? And with all this tension pervading our lives, <clears throat> we tend to build walls, trying to protect ourselves from all the news stories of all the atrocities going on around the world. Editorials tell us how bad the world is. Scary stories about health issues and how many people died today. All the things that saturate the news today and that saturate our lives. So we worry. We stress. It's inevitable. You've got that much coming at you. That's what's going to happen. We are human. And all that tension and stress and worry tend to distance us from God. We build those walls to protect us from all that, but a wall doesn't, have, it doesn't choose. We build those walls, and that keeps us away from God. When what it really should be doing as Christians is drawing us closer to each other and closer to God with the hope that He has promised us. Remember I just read 1513? All this should be drawing us closer to God shouldn't be building those walls. So take heart. There is hope. Hope for now, our immediate future, and hope for our eternity. That's one that really matters. I'll put up with a lot of stuff in this life. I'll put up, I, I don't care if you guys knew the body I lived in. I mean, come on. It doesn't matter. This life gone. It's gone. It's instantly gone. It's eternity that matters to me. My hope has to do with the eternal. A hope for eternity a hope that rests in the kingdom of God and the promise of an eternity spent in the presence of his kingdom. Our hope is in the now because the kingdom of God is wherever God's allowed to reign. Whoa. Did you think about that? And if that's in your heart, if you've got God reigning in your heart, then you're living a kingdom life. So let me ask you, does God the promise of hope reign in your heart? Does he reign and rule over all the earthly stuff that's going on? Does he reign beyond all the things that are coming at you that we just spoke of? Because if he does in your heart, you have hope. And none of that can really affect you. You're immune from it. And we have hope in the eternal because of promise of God in the New Testament, John 3, 16. And everybody who believes in the Son of God has eternal life. Yeah, baby. Come on, that's cool. 
Everybody say, yay! Well, ish. Everybody who believes in the Son of God has eternal life. Let's look at that really carefully. This is where I'm going to really get into Scripture. Um, someone tell me what eternal life is. Is eternal life in heaven? Is it now? Don't we have, there you go. Don't we have options? God promises if you believe, you'll have eternal life. I want eternal life in heaven. I don't want eternal life anywhere else. I want it in heaven. So just to be clear and to make sure that we understand that we can't morph the Bible and make it say what we want it to say to make life easy for us, because that verse goes on to say, anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. Man, I liked it before I had to read that. I want to take my Bible and redact that. Now, that means that I've got to do something. I can't just say that I believe in Jesus, that I know he was born, that I know he lived, I know he taught, I know he was crucified and gave up his spirit, I know he came off the cross, I know he left the tomb, I know he resurrected, I know all that, and I believe, I'm in, I'm good. Because if you know that, and your heart feels that, you'll have a love. And that love will produce the trust. And that trust will make you inherently, we don't have to change our lives, God's got that. It will make you inherently obey because you'll want to please Him. I do things for my wife because I love her and I want to please her. I buy her things that she really wants and I know she ain't going to use. <laughs> I'm serious. I just bought her a expensive projector because she can... Um, Wi-Fi her phone into it. How cool is that? She ain't going to use it. She'll use it two or three times, maybe. Maybe she'll project something on the wall that she can draw for the kids downstairs. She's not going to use it. I don't care. I love her. She wanted it. I wanted to make her happy. I bought it for her. That's what love does. It's no different with God. It's no different with Christ. When you love him, you will just do. You will just obey. You don't have to be made to do that, right? Because our hope lies in the victory of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection. It grows as we start to trust God, trust God's promises, and act upon them. That's where obedience comes in. So it's not just enough to know God. It's not just enough to believe in God. You've heard this a million times, but I'm going to say it a million and one. The devil knows God, and he believes. And it makes him quake in his boots. He does not act correctly on it. So do we think that we can just believe and we be good? If you believe, you'll trust, you'll love, and you'll act on it. That's where our hope comes from. And this hope is a dynamic thing. It's a process, as is faith itself. It grows as we grow. Scripture tells us that we start off as spiritual children, right? And we grow into spiritual adults. And that is that... Back up a little bit. And it is that relationship as an adult that we have with God that keeps our hope strong as we face the trials and fears and doubts that try to creep into us. 
as Christians, we need to have a firm foundation in Christ. All together, strength in unity. So what I'm telling you, and this is what the Bible says, is we need to be together, united as one in this church, right? Maybe we need to get the whole Wesleyan faith, all the Wesleyan churches, to unite and be together in our faith. That's a mighty power, right? How about if we could get Christ's bride, the entire church, if we could get the entire church, everybody, all the believers, all the body, to unite, how awesome would that be? Think of what we could do in this world with that strength, with that power, with that hope. Well, how about let's take it further. What if we did that and we got all the non-believers to join in with us? Because if we join together, we're a big body. The entire body of Christ, that is a bit bigger than mine. That's a big body. Think about it. <clears throat> if we did that and we joined in unity with the entire world, then Christ's bride would be prepared. We need strength in unity. Christ came into this world to bring humanity, mankind, back into unity with its creator so we could be made right with God. Paul's desire, because a lot of this I'm reading was from Paul, Paul's desire was to see unity between the members of the family of God. Surely it's God's desire as well. Matter of fact, Romans 15, 6 tells us, May the Lord, who gives endurance and encouragement, give you the spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Jesus Christ, so that with one heart and one mouth you may glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus unity. God tells us that he wants us to have unity. Believe it or not, I'm not making up any of this stuff. This is all God. This is all from the Bible. In this season of Advent, surely we can take this message of hope and unity and extend our hand of hope to all those around us. Christians and non-Christians. Christians seem to want to deal with their own. They want to hang out with all the people from church. They want to hang out with fellow Christians. That's the easy life. That's the way. We have that in common. It's comfortable for us. How about we extend a hand of hope to the neighbor that, <laughs> dude hadn't pulled his weeds in how long? <laughs> I mean, his dogs are barking like crazy. But what if we extend a hand of hope to them? Maybe it's just extend that hand and pull a weed, right? Maybe it's extend that hand over the fence and drop a toy over for the dogs. It's really easy. How about we extend a hand of hope to everybody, Christians and non-Christians alike? If we could share the message of hope and peace and love this Christmas instead of disunity, separation, tension, fear, and selfishness, think of the difference we could make in this world. Christians are not called. I looked in the Bible, and I looked up, sit on thy butt. That's what I looked up. You know how many times that's in the Bible? None! God does not call us to sit on our butts. God calls us to action. He calls us to do. And he doesn't call just to do it in church. Well, you know, I'm really active in church. We go feed the hungry. We go to the gospel rescue mission, and we work there. We do. Well, 
How about extend it further? Open up your circle. Open up your circle to all the non-Christians you know. Open up your circle. Not destroy your circle. Not disband your circle. Open up your circle to all the non-Christians you know. Invite them into your circle. Let's see what happens. Unity. Psalms 71, 14 through 17. As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. Well, that's as for me. That's, that's speaking from my heart. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. Though I know not how to relate them. What was that song? All the things God's going to do. God, turn it around. All the things that God can do and God will do. This goes on to say, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours and yours alone. That means that I cannot leave this church and go talk to my friends that, that don't come to church. And they say, well, how'd you do? Oh, I knocked it out. I rocked it. I did a good job. No, I didn't do anything. The Holy Spirit moved through me. And if the Holy Spirit moved through me and touched you and you got something out of this service, you're changed that little bit. You've got to understand, y'all, it ain't me. Come talk to me afterwards. You'll realize that I'm not all that. I'm just not. I can't take that credit. I need to proclaim God. God did it. God is speaking. God is talking to you right now. Right now, right now, right? Now let's go out into the world and share the message of hope with everybody we come across. Not the ones that are easy to approach everyone and let's see how we can change the world do you think we can change the world now if we listen to this and we listen to the songs that the worship team did and they touched you and you're feeling a call or a cry you need to talk to god that's what the altar's for we call this an altar the platform you guys need to come up here if you're just looking to draw on god's strength a little bit if you're just looking to tighten that relationship with God, if you're just looking to God for, man, a little more help, need a little more grace, Lord, I'm struggling right now. Come on up. I will tell you, and I, I'll tell you as Pastor Dave as well, anytime I'm ever speaking anywhere and I get up here, if my feet are on a platform, that altar's open. You can come anytime. It doesn't have to be at the end. It doesn't have to be in the middle. Anytime you feel God calling, you need to come up to this altar. Talk to God. If you don't want to come up to the altar, if you're feeling a little shy, yeah, some of them might see me and think I'm not right. Well, you're not. <laughs> None of us are. So if you're the one thinking that, get your butt up here. That's where you need to be. Amen? Yeah. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you so much for your presence. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for all that you give us right now. We thank you for this place. I thank you right now for this worship team. They are so phenomenal. They are representing you. You gave them those talents, Lord. Thank you so much. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit pour in the hearts of everybody that hears this message and everybody that they share with, that they might know you better, that they may draw closer to you, Lord. I give you thanks for everything as we go into this season and we celebrate the birth of of your son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we pray, pray and have hope for his second coming. 
And the church said, Amen. Amen. May God bless you and keep you as you go about your week. Praise God. Thank you guys very much. So, with that, instead of clapping, and I appreciate that, everybody raise their hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you for this word that you've given us, Lord. Thank you. That's who gets the praise.